Hello, welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bone Training. Hey, Rob, how we doing? Pretty good, buddy. How's it going? Good. You know what, Rob? Let's get right down to it today. Let's we... get into it, man. All right. We have a special guest today. Today, we have Nick Schiffer with us. He is owner of NS, Flo- uh, NS Builders. That's N as in Nancy, S as in Sam Builders. One of Boston's premier builders, uh, awarded the prestigious magazine Boston Homes Best of Boston Home 2023. That's a big deal, Nick. Not bad, right? Uh, Nick collaborates on This Old House, Modern Craftsman, and much more, and um, shares his building experience uh, and practices across social media to share his knowledge with the building industry and provides transparency uh, with your potential and current clients. Boy, that's one thing I, when I kind of, looked into you uh nick you you're you are very transparent with your business you put yeah, it all out there that's the intent and and that's been from day one really um i mean i can dig into that like the one and the specific reason was you know to collaborate you know i, I think that growing up there's so there's so much competition and when i started realizing that there's a lot of people out there that you know, struggle to to work through what I've already done or what I'm learning. You know, I I looked at it as an opportunity to share. You know, as I'm learning, I'm teaching. Uh, as I'm learning, I'm sharing and and giving the opportunity for other people. The whole co- coattail effect, right? Where it's you want everyone to 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 kind of elevate at the same time and and thinking about how that would better the industry. Um, but the but the other side of it was it kept me honest. You know, if I'm if I'm showing everything and I'm sharing everything, you know, when I messed up, people let me know. And, you know, I, I can count a handful of times that I had put something out there and, you know, and I did something wrong uh, and people let me know. And 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 if it wasn't for me sharing it, I would have I would have never known. Um, and, you know, so it, it saved me a, a handful of times when we approach something incorrectly and someone was like, Hey, you know, I'm not trying to hate on what you're doing, but you know, what you've done here is going to create an issue by, you know, this, this and that. And, you know, my team is, uh, my team and myself are responsive to that. And, you know, we actually do follow up videos and saying, Hey, we screwed up. You guys fixed it and, (laughs) or let me know. And we fixed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually circled the word collaborate because that comes up a lot with you. It, you know, with your clients, people want to be heard, don't they? Yeah. They don't want to be told what's going to happen. It seems like they want to be part of the process, a lot of them. So maybe you can talk, kind of talk about how you feel with when you're dealing with your clients. Yeah, I mean, collaboration is actually one of our core values here at NS Builders. Um, but I looked at, you know, the industry as a whole, you know, the building industry, um, even contracting in the contracting industry with subcontractors. But the number one complaint that I heard anytime I interviewed um, a, a client that we wrapped up a job for or an upcoming client, everyone always went back to the word communication. And that, you know, their experience with contractors and building or renovating, the communication was terrible. So it kept coming up. And, and I remember reading a book at one point and it was about business and it was like, Hey, just find out what everyone else is doing terribly in your, your niche. And then just do that really good. And it, it, it was like a light bulb moment. I said, all right, well, if everyone's sucking at communication, why don't I focus on being a better communicator? 
Um, and you know, communicating is tied to collabor collaborating. So for us, you know, as a builder and the way we manage our jobs, it's very white glove. Um, you know, when we're dealing with clients and what I mean by white glove is that we're going to be, we have multiple people in, in different roles that are going to help our clients through the process. Mm -hmm. You know, we have project managers that are in charge of, you know, financial control, uh, project communication, document control, but we also have site superintendents that are in charge of production and quality control and getting this in, you know, getting the actual work done and in place. Um, and then we, you know, administration and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we also have a home care program where there's a dedicated team and communication there where once the home is done, you know, you're going to be communicating with a, a new individual and they're going to help maintain the home for, you know, it, hopefully indefinitely. Um, so with all of that, like we, we put all these channels of communication into place. And that's from pre-construction when we're working through design and budgeting and scheduling to construction and then, of course, post-construction. But the construction process, um, especially when you're building custom, has to be collaborative. You know, the client, you know, even the even the clients that want to be hands off, you know, if, if they truly want to be hands off, they are typically more involved in the planning, at least from my my experience, where and and that would be our our preference anyway. Yeah. You know, we're not going to get into it today, but I think that residential construction is uh, extremely inefficient. And it's largely due to the fact that we don't take the time to plan correctly or complete a set of drawings or get an entire specification list put together before we start construction. And it evolves, you know, from the time we start construction to the day before we finish, um, where, you know, if you look at commercial, it's a little different. You know, typically that is, you know, flushed out to a fur like a further extent uh and the changes are you know th there's still changes in commercial no doubt uh and field conditions and things like that but you're typically going into it with a, a much more solidified plan but from the client's perspective they want to be collaborative they want to understand the space they want to they want to it's their their home it's where they're going to spend the majority of their life um so they want to understand on you know and and be in charge of those decisions now I say that, um, but interestingly, you know, the whole role of this team builder, architect, contractor, um, you know, they don't want to make the decisions in the sense of, hey, I want to use this product. We'll use Bona, for example. Hey, I want to use Bona on all the floors because that's, you know, based on my research. They're looking to the architect and the builder to bring a suggestion to the table. And it's not so much, hey, you can use this one or that one. It's that we find that our clients want us to come with one option. And if they want to challenge it, that's totally fine. But I'm going to say, hey, we're going to be using this product for, you know, our floor finish. Most of the time, they're like, that's fine. Yeah, that's great. Or like, oh, why? Oh, well, we find that it, it, it's, you know, the most durable. It's going to last the longest. It's, you know, easy to refinish when the time comes whatever the handful of lists that's our job as professionals to bring the best option to the table now if for whatever reason you know we brought the option to the table and it's five times the cost of anything else well we better have a damn good story as to why and you know and explain like oh well you'll never have to finish your floors ever again yeah it's like well you know we only plan to live here for 10 years anyway so that's not that largely important to us 
oh great so we could save you you know you know whatever percentage you know we can save you a tremendous amount of money by using this floor finish because this this is expected to last 10 15 years anyway and and it's our job as a professional to 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 bring quote unquote an option to the table but ultimately you know we're bringing the best option to the table well and that involves a great deal of trust mm-hmm. in your clients and you and your reputation and what have you um before I go on, I just want to mention, too, that you have a blog, you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, and you have a podcast called NS Builders Podcast by Nick Schiffer. So we actually paused the NS Builders Podcast because uh, we are full um, full tilt on Modern Craftsman Podcast. Oh, okay. um, so I was for a long time, I was doing both. Uh, and it's fair, like you, I, I appreciate the research because like that is very much out there and we're still uh, using it as a blog. But all of our podcast efforts have been transferred to Modern Craftsman, uh, which is myself and Tyler Grace um, from New Jersey, who's a, a a remodeling contractor down there. Ah, very cool. Well, it brings so brings me to my next point. I mean, it is um, you know having the knowledge to build a home, and you build some. I, I mean, the researcher, you build some incredible homes. Uh, so having that knowledge is one thing. That that's like a lifetime to learn that knowledge. But you also have to run a business. I mean, mm-hmm. and they are two different hats completely altogether. Mm-hmm. And then having, you know, you have a, a great presence on social media and obviously that's important to you. And that's not, it isn't because it's a job to you. I mean, you wouldn't do it if it's a job, it's a passion. It's obvious to see, but where the hell do you get this much time? Um, I have the same amount of time as everyone else. Yes. I, I just, I, I think I prioritize things uh, differently. Um, it's funny. People ask that all the time. And I don't, for me, I don't think I do anything much different than anyone else. Uh, but I'm very hard on myself when it comes to wasting time. Um, you know, I might waste time with my kids playing, or I shouldn't say waste time. I might, I might do unproductive things when I'm, you know, playing on the floor with Legos with my kids, but that's like, that's family. Right. And that's, you know, largely important to, 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 to myself and many people. But when it comes to work, you know, I try to be very, you know, very rigid and like, Hey, I, these are the things I need to get done. Um, my calendar gets pretty packed. Um, but all of these things, you know, ultimately have the goal of what we want to be doing and that's to be building really great homes. Um, and the social media, you know, there, there's two parts of that, you know, it's creating awareness around who Nick Schiffer is, who, um, NS builders is, who the podcast is, who, you know, our YouTube is, but you know, ultimately it all kind of comes back to, you know, I'm a builder and I have this amazing team and we build really incredible homes. And it's the same thing with social media. It's, you know, that's not just me. You know, I have a team that helps with that now. You know, we have full-time videographer, you have a content manager, you know, I have a marketing assistant, like, and, you know, we're all working on that together and we meet and put a plan together and execute on it. And, and we see the benefit of it. Um, you know, technically speaking, you know, the, the, the filming is pretty straightforward. Um, I meet on my projects once a week for a production meeting when I meet with my site super, my PM, my director of ops, and we chat about, you know, the production on site. And while I'm in that meeting for an hour, my videographer is outside taking B-roll. And because, uh, because the day before, you know, we chatted and said, Hey, the, the insulators are going to be on site. So why don't we capture a bunch of B roll of the insulators and really promote like the, 
you know, the, the guys that are doing that work. And then when I'm done with my meeting, I'll come out for 20 minutes and I'll film a quick interview, walk around, point out some of the really good detailing that they're taking, you know, um, good approach on and, and, and focus on that. And then he can go back and edit that into a video, cut it up, a you know, 20 different ways. And one will live on this educational platform called YouTube. And the other might live on Instagram as a, you know, a, a B-roll video of just, you know, a bunch of guys and, and girls putting insulation in, in a really nice detailed way. And I get to talk about how great that part of the team is and, and how they're helping us build the, the best product that we, we possibly can. Well, it sounds like that's where you're finding your time. You delegate and it sounds like you got a fantastic team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's evolved over the years. Um, you know, to give you the full picture, kind of it's, you know, I own the building company outright. Um, I have operations manager, project manager, site supers, lead carpenters, carpenters, um, warranty, uh, you know, warranty manager and home care tech. Um, and I also have, I'm also have a millwork company who I'm a partner with, uh, Ken DeCosta on called Materia Millwork. And we have cabinet makers, cabinet installers, uh, Ken runs operations in that company. Um, and then Motif Media is myself and Doug. Uh, Doug is my videographer. Uh, he's got the marketing assistant on his team. Uh, and then the content manager works under NS Builders, but kind of works throughout all of the brands. Uh, and then lastly, it's the modern, it's Modern Craftsman Podcast. And, you know, Tyler and I are partners on that. But we have a team that helps us put together the podcast where it's for four years, we were reaching out to guests and scheduling and getting everything set up and now we have a, a you know a wonderful marketing assistant Anna that that helps us with that so she's you know she's reaching out to the guests that we want and, and getting everything set up so you know I would agree you know a lot of it comes down to delegating um and in the moment I feel as though I don't delegate enough but when I look back you know I realize that uh I've learned to to slowly delegate uh as we've grown so yeah um, so, and as we, you know, our audience is flooring contractors by and yeah. large uh, and some weird people that Rob knows that we, we don't really talk about a lot. <laughs> Shout uh, out to those guys. Yeah. They, they make up the majority of our listeners. All right. So <laughs> as with most builders, uh, you deal with a lot of subcontractors and that relationship between the, the, the subcontractor and builder is important. And how is important to you that the subcontractors are using the best technology out there and they re represent them well, because in a way uh, there seem like they're a reflection of, of you, the builder, right? So yeah. maybe we talk about that relationship and what's important to you with subcontractors. I'm going to strike a chord with a couple people here because I think there, there's a lot of things wrong with the residential building industry. Um, and one of those things stems from people building as big of a home as they can for as little money as they can. And what that has turned into is, and you can, you can ask any builder, like, you know, their margins are tight, you know, it's, they're not making the profit that they want. Uh, and that's fine. But if we go deeper than that and look at the sub pool that they're, they're using, like, what is that doing to them? Are they, uh, are all those guys making a ton of money and the builders just leave, you know, walking away with barely anything? No. If it's squeezed that tight at the top, you know, everyone that trickles underneath that's going to be squeezed. And I've told this story on our podcast, but I'll retell it here is like, for me, our trades are 
enormously important. And, you know, I've had multiple trades, actually, including my my wood flooring contractor, uh, contractors, um, come to me and, and we've worked through pricing on a job and then we go and then we do the install and I have issues with it. And then there's a conversation that comes up and it's like, dude, I don't make enough money to, to come back and fix that. Like that's the quality that I, I put out. And I, I saw this happen over and over. And I finally had a conversation with a couple of them and I, in, and I was like, well, how much would you charge me if you took your time? You know, how much, like, what would it cost me if I, if you slowed down rather than trying to do two jobs in one day? What if you just came here and did one job? He's like, well, I'd have to charge you double. And I'm like, all right, charge me double next time. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, charge me double. It's my job as the builder to turn around and tell the client that they can't afford the bigger house. They can afford a better, uh, we can build them a smaller house and it's going to be a higher quality. And that's going to rule out a lot of people. A lot of people don't care. They they would rather the big house at a lesser quality, not our client. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of us w- could agree that like, they would rather work. They'd rather build bigger, uh, smaller homes for a, a higher quality than the other way around, especially if they're making a good profit on it. So our trade, you know, some of these guys were like, well, sure, I'll, I'll charge you double. And, you know, and maybe at the first, like they're still trying to squeeze that second job in that day. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hey, we agreed. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'll pay you more, but I need you to slow down and I need you to, to do a better job. And, you know, we have a, one of our wood floor finish guys and he is super meticulous. Like he, he takes out, you know, um, makeup brushes and he's like using makeup brushes to, to get the finish in the right spots. And I mean, he's that, but this is, and he, and he'll spend weeks finishing, you know, 3000 square feet and it's, and I love it. It's like furniture finish. And it's, and he's like, this is going to be really expensive. I'm like, I know. And I value that. And so does our client. So I get it. Like, you know, if this is going to cost, you know, three X anyone else, then so, so be it like that we, we, we value that. So for me, what I've realized is that these guys get into this industry. I would say most of them get into this industry because they have some sort of passion for it where they want to be the best finisher. They, they love doing this. Like they, they have a lot of fun with it. And what happens is that because we demand that because the consumer is demanding these bigger homes for less money, they start working for all these general contractors and builders and they continually get beaten down in price to the point where now they're just, they're, they're trying to operate at such a fast pace and they're and they're delivering a subpar quality, but they're getting paid and they're fine. And then every once in a while, or probably more times than not, they get squeezed on the price where it's like they do it, they cover their costs, maybe they put a couple bucks in their pocket, but they're not really building this nest egg of wealth. So like when things go awry and like say the economy falls out, you know, that builder goes away. He doesn't care about the floor guy because the floor guy got his job done. This floor guy now can't support his family because he never made enough money to actually support his family. He just made enough money to cover his expenses. So now this guy's screwed where it's like, and, and, and to top it off, he no longer really enjoys doing what he does because he doesn't make the, the appropriate amount of money for it. Where for us, it's like, let's flip that. Like, I want you to make the pro- I want you to make the, the appropriate amount of money on this job. You know, if it truly is going to cost more, then let's talk about that. And if we can't afford it or the budget doesn't allow for it, how do we back into the budget that we do have? Rather than me asking you to make less money on the job, tell me I have to use 
a, a narrower board or I can't do glue down or I have to, you know, tight fit whatever it is. Like you tell me how to work within that number. And we do this with all of our trades. You know, painting was a huge one. We were painting right after, you know, we were painting too soon. And my painter started like the pricing kept going up. And I was like, why is the pricing getting so expensive? He's like, dude, every time we're on your job, you got 50 guys in there and we're painting around them. It's just not efficient. And I was like, how much money could I save if I gave you the job and you worked by yourself? He's like, I could pull 15% off that cost right off the top. I'm like, great guys, we're painting at the end of the job when no one's here. And that, and I didn't, I didn't ask for 15% off. I, I just asked the, the, the contractor, I was like, how do I make you more efficient? Which means that you can make the appropriate amount of money, but it costs us less money. Yeah. Um, how many people just pulled over to the side of the road? Turn yeah. this up. Huh? I hope so. How I many mean, floor guys? I, it, I can't wait. For floor guys kid. get screwed. I can't wait for my kid to hear this because he's a floor guy. Mm you know, grew up around me. And I was, according to what you just said, I was doing everything wrong, you know, trying to lower the price. And, you know, he is completely your, he'd be your guy if he lived in Boston. Yeah. I mean, he drives me crazy. I keep telling him there's no such thing as a perfect floor. And he's like, oh, you want to bet? And I love like that. Like, but and I'm, his it's, it's... prices were crazy, you know, but mm -hmm. He's getting it. That's what, you know, that's what blows me away is he's getting it. But that is, man, you just described my kid. Not but there's a, giving there's my a, kid a plug, but. No, but there's a threshold kid. too. Like the people value that and, and not everyone's going to value it. You know, yeah. it's, it's the same thing with luxury brands and luxury cars. Like I can buy a, a, a Toyota and i can and i can be into a brand new car for $30,000 but i can also go buy a ferrari for $230,000 you know and ultimately if you look at it from the surface they're going to do the same thing but there's a waiting list for ferraris right now yeah like you can't you can't just and and that's because someone values it for for different reasons it's the same thing with 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 building uh -huh. and 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 we and it's not sorry i, I know no, you're no, trying to ahead, chime in ahead, but like it, it we are not all homes are the same. And, and the reality is, and, I, and I'm, I'm very aware, I'm on the coast. So like most of the wealth is on the coast. I get that. And, but you have to, look, if you looked at the entire country, you know, a very small percentage of people are going to care at, at how high of a quality their floors are finished. It's just the reality. Just like they're not going to care what the house looks like. They don't care if it's architecturally pleasing. They don't care if it's, if it's got, you know, crown molding. Like they just want a house. They just like, give me a box to live in. I'm good. You know, that's the majority of people. And, and, and those, and, and that's fine. Like there, that's a commodity product, but you can't then lump a custom $7 million coastal home into the same category as a middle America, $250,000 spec home. Because it's just not the same thing. It's like the Toyota and the Ferrari. The, the $7 million product, that has to be a high quality. But what we're doing is we're using the same guys building $250,000 homes and putting them into a $7 million uh, property and saying, hey, I need you to give me your best price to, to do that floor. It's like, what if, seven, you know, rather than trying to build a 14,000 square foot home for $7 million, you built a 7,000 square foot home for $7 million. You know, now you double like it's it's still the same overall bank 
of $7 million, but you're, 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 you're spending more money per square foot, right? I'm using air quotes. And, bec- and, and the reason you're doing that is because you're delivering a higher level product. Yeah. So uh, you may have just done a lot of people a big favor because uh, I, I, I won't know the, name the area, but I went to a region of the country, whatever, and I'm talking to contractors, foreign contractors, and they said, you know, we deal with, uh, with, with general contractors and you can only charge this amount. That that's all you can charge. Nope, nope, that nope, you can't charge that. That's what they're going to pay here. And, and I always think, man, that seems crazy to me. But, and then, you know, a lot of them are experiencing the same problems in cupping or whatever, you know, different issues they may have. And maybe this will open up the conversation to them. Like you said, it's not everybody because some people just, it crosses it and that's the bottom line that whatever. But maybe it opens the door for a conversation. Look, you know, you've had problems, we've had problems. Let's get together. And maybe we can do something and, and separate yourself from the pack too, by the yeah. way, you make yourself more unique. Yeah. I mean, l- listen, you're, you're spot on. There's, there's contractors out there that won't spend more than X amount of dollars per square foot for floor finish, but the expectation needs to be set where it's like, well, Hey, whatever it is like, Hey, I got 10 bucks a foot to finish these floors. That's as much as I can pay you. And when this, and, and I don't know, like depending on what area you're talking about, that's a lot, that could be a lot, that could be, that could be very little. But the point is, is like, what's the expectation at that? Are you expecting these floors to be like glass, like perfect? Or are you expecting me to get these things sanded and, and, and finished in three days? And that's, and what, like, what is the priority? Everyone talks about, you know, uh, price schedule. Uh, and quality, you can only pick two. And I and and I've been saying this for a, a few months now. I disagree. You have to organize them. Like what is you? They you don't get rid of one. You organize them. So for us, when you work with us, quality will never not be number one. Quality is the number one most important thing for us. After that, you get to tell me, do you care about price or schedule more? Because if, if you say price, that's fine. Like that is our laser focus. That doesn't mean schedule goes out the window. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're going to just like, Hey, when we get done, we get done. Mm-hmm. The schedule is still important. It's just not as important as the cost. Yeah. Now, if they flip and say, Hey, but schedule is really important. That doesn't mean we just get to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars and, you know, to get it done within, you know, the particular time frame. we still need to have some sort of control. So it's the same thing with these, with, with, with subcontractors where it's like, Hey, listen, if there's a guy out there and he only pays this much or, or a region in the country that only pays whatever it is, $2 a foot to, to, to sand and finish floors, right? Say that's the number. Okay. That's then that's the market that, that, that is the market. So for me, the way I look at that is, all right, how do I compete for $2 a foot rather than like, you know, making less money as a floor finish contractor, I need to figure out a more efficient way to do this. And this is where uh, going back to residential construction, I think there's a lot of inefficiencies. Well, how do I become more efficient? You know, what, what's, what's, when I break down that job and I go and I stand and finish it and I realize that it cost me a dollar 75 to actually get that floor done and I'm only making 25 cent profit every foot. Okay. Well, in that, in that home, what could I have done to, to speed that up? What, 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 what drove me, what, what took more time? Was it the fact that the cabinets were in, I had to take out the, the toe kick sander, you know, did that take an hour of my time? Like, what are the things that are driving my inefficiencies? And then you go back and you say, Hey, I'll do it for two bucks a foot, but this is how I need the job delivered to me. Yes. Yeah. And set the expectations. 
Yeah, and you said the magic word right there, and Rob and I talk about about that all the time. And we, you know, at our training, we talk about customer expectations all the time, because when you talk about prioritizing what's important to them, what you're talking about is is expectations, so you can align yourself with with where they're at, and so you're on the same page. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, it's very interesting. I think but, he listened. I think he listened to our last podcast and stole our whole thing about communication. That's what I think is going on here. <laughs> hmm. That's ours, man. We're you know we're, I, we're all I, maybe, about that. maybe I'm known for stealing people's podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will say like the last point on that is this is something that's really uh, important to me as a builder, and you know we're actually getting into development and you know and to understand like let's look at bigger picture just for a moment, right? I I think of um, the envelope of the home, right? You know, you most homes are being stick built. You're watching a, a framer go out there and lumber get dropped. They're cutting up two by fours and, and and plywood and they're standing this thing up wall by wall, framing wall by wall. And I walk and I and I toured I, I've toured maybe a half a dozen panelization companies. And one of them, you know, there was there I was talking about waste. And you know, we we exchange dumpster dumpsters at anywhere from two to four weeks, every two to four weeks on a job site. It drives me bananas. Like I can't, I, it, I, it, it drives me nuts to see this stuff get disposed of. And I'm in this panel company, uh, panelization factory and there it's a pretty standard. They're, they're still building stick built walls. Like it's pretty straightforward it, there. It's not, not like the technology from like what the wall assembly itself isn't improved. It's just doing it in a factory, shipping it on a trailer and then, and standing it up. Right. So you're just relocating the same process, but under a roof controlled environment. But they start by modeling the whole house and then they model the whole house. And then what that does is they model it with all of the framing members. So now you know that you have 17 two by fours that are six and seven eighths of an inch long spread out amongst the whole building. And then you have, you know, 23 of them at 14 and three eighths that are spread out amongst the whole building. And what that does is it automatically populates a cut list. It goes to a saw takes 20 foot two by fours and says, Hey, in 20 feet, I can maximize this 20 foot piece of two by four by cutting a stud from this wall, that wall, this wall over here, a piece of blocking for that. And that you can't do that on site. And someone might say, no, yes, you could. If you took the time to write out the cut list, you sure. But you are, but you are charging per hour and there, there's too, there will be too much time no, no one's going to pay a guy to sit there and figure out how to maximize the use of a two by every two by four on the job site where a computer, and this is where we get into the AI talk and stuff, but where a computer can automatically do this, where it says, Hey, I can take a 20 foot two by four. And based on the, the cut list that that computer just generated, I can maximize this. When they were done building this house in the factory, they had a 55 gallon bucket of scrap. Wow. That's it. Wow. That's it. Because everything was maximized. So when you think of efficiency, you know, you start with the, the shell of it. It's like right there, all they did was take more time in, in planning. They modeled it and they put it into a controlled environment and did it in a factory. So now the guys aren't the guys aren't climbing on roofs or second floors or dealing with guardrails. Everything's on a workbench. People are working like gentlemen, you know, and well, this stuff gets stacked up. And this can but the point is like this this can continue to, to go down all the way to finishes and, and look at look at the pre-finished wood floor industry how that's exploded, right? You know, I, and I know very little about it. You guys are probably far more in tune, but it's like that, you know, that's something that, you know, hey, well, what if we don't stand and finish it on site? That was like a revolutionary idea at one point. 
And that has the technology behind that has continued to increase. And it's like you now, now the whole thing is like, well, how do I pre-finish the floor, but get rid of the micro bevel? Right. It's like, well, I want to sand and finish in place. Cause I don't want to see the micro bevel. I don't want to have a bowling alley effect in my house. It's like, well, Hey, check out this product. This product is, has almost no micro bevel. And this is how we've accomplished it. Innovation continues to, to, to improve the process. Well, let me ask you then, uh, for, for a custom home builder, um, where do you see the trends in flooring? I mean, we, we, we see across the country, you see herringbones and chevrons and white plank and, oh, totally. and, 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 and custom floors are still getting real hardwood floors, whether it's engineered or solid, but they're real hardwood floors. And there's a, the craftsman is still there. Are you seeing that on your side of the business? Yeah, totally. I think that there, there's the, um, luxury side of it, right? You know, when when you're you're doing something like a herringbone or chevron or borders or inlays, like you know, there's the the reality of that is like it's un, it's unnecessary, but it's beautiful and it's craftsmanship and there's art. There's an art to that, where you know the whole that's the whole point. You know, and art is discretionary, right? Where you know you can charge whatever you want for for art in in theory. We all look at art with jewelry, like look at Tiffany and company. Uh, I use them as a reference a lot or Rolex. It's like their prices are their prices because of the brand that they've built, you know, and, 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 and they've decided that their product is more luxurious than anyone else or, or their competitor or whatever. It's the same thing with, I think floors is like, these are product, like we don't need a Chevron or a herringbone floor, but it's, if I can afford it, I'd like to do it. Yeah. So when you ask about trends, I think that 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 will never go away. I think it will be interesting to see how it's utilized uh, or people find more efficient ways to do it where it's like for for a long time, like all of that, all of those pieces had to be cut on site, right? Like, hey, we got to come all on site and then and then um, uh, edge. I'm using the wrong terminology um square edge or uh groove groove yeah groove the groove the end end yeah, of it on, yeah. on, on, you know on a machine yeah. uh or a router right yep. now it's like now you can work with a manufacturer and they'll drop all of those pieces you know that are exactly precise and you know people are listening probably like nick they've been doing that for 15 years like sure but before that they weren't and it's like so but they, it will continue to to evolve at some point you know we might be able to buy this stuff you know, in a sheet, like a, mo like a tile mosaic where it's like, and then you put that stuff down it's got a netting on the back of it and you can blast this stuff up in, in four foot lengths. It, they did the same thing with white cedar shingles. You know, 15 years ago, I, I installed white cedar shingles on this building and, you know, we're, we're still, we still install them and they're installed individually. You put them up on a batten, you, you nail them in. 15 years ago, we bought this product that they were four foot strips and they had a piece of uh, a piece of um, fur that was like an eighth of an inch thick, hot glued to four feet of white cedar shingle, and you could just toss them up in the bat and you blasted nails in it. So all it was doing it was it was increasing the amount of shingles that you would pick up out of the box, and yeah. and essentially eight times like increasing your speed of in, uh, install by eight times because you're putting up you know four feet. As labor gets tighter and tighter, uh, you know, guys are getting, you have to get in uh, efficient or die. I mean, yeah. and, um, you mentioned about the herringbone. We, there's a, there's a craftsman down in, uh, in, down in Texas 
Matt Garcia that is doing some uh, uh, neat stuff with herringbone and kind of doing doing what you're saying, putting them all together and yeah. stomping all in one shot. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty slick. It, let me ask you, yeah, good. Let me ask you this: how how important is sustainability to you as a builder? It's it's increasingly important. Um, I think that my um, where I struggle is my lack of knowledge. Uh, and, 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 and I say that in the way that it's hard to keep up, right. Um, the, we are, we are evolving so fast and technology is evolving so fast and product is evolving so fast. And, you know, and think about like, you know, before social media, just like, which isn't that long ago, you didn't have access to a bunch of people building around the country or a bunch of floor guys standing around. You would have never known that that guy in Texas was doing that. Now we have access to information so quickly that it allows us to create products so quickly. It allows us to innovate so quickly and it makes it hard to keep up and to know like, all right, where, which, which direction should I go? Sustainability is really important to me though, because it's like, I, I want, I want to make sure that we're not only building the best product, but we're, you know, we're considering what we're putting into these homes, Yeah, you know, for a number of reasons, health, wellness, you know, from uh, deforestation to um, what it does to the environment long term to everything. Yeah. How important is that to your customers? I mean, it sounds like something that you're pushing with your customers. It's it. You know what? Um, pushing might be the right word, but, but it's more of just a conversation where it's, you know, if a client says, yeah, you know, energy efficiency isn't really a, an important to me. That doesn't mean I'm going to say, all right, let's just build a leaky house. Like it's like we're still going to build a tight house. But if they said, hey, this is really important to me, it's like, all right, are we looking for passive certification? You know, are we looking for net positive, net zero? Like, where are we at? Um, you know, if they're like, no, it's not that important. Well, I can't make them spend another fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to get a passive house certification because I want it. So, you know, again, it's about understanding and setting those expectations with the client. We we started talking, and I want to talk to you about tools in a minute here, but I got one more question for you first before I do. I want to get this in here because, you know, it's so hard to retain employees today, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a premium on, on, on good employees. So how how do you, and I was a freak, man. I mean, I, I was a, a micromanager. I fully admit that. It's very hard, and I don't know how. I admire a guy that can have, you mentioned uh, all these different levels of, of that you have in your company, and that's a lot of delegating and letting go, man. And that's yeah. always been my, my, uh, my Achilles heel. So how do you retain employees? Uh, well, let me touch on the first part you said, like um, a lot of delegating and letting go. The, the number one piece of advice that I had to remind myself of constantly is that, you know, I made a lot of mistakes when it was just me. And for me to hire people and expect them not to make those mistakes was, was wrong. You know, when they would make those mistakes, I'd be frustrated because I was like, I already made that mistake. Why are you doing it? It's like, well, the reality is, is because they haven't made that mistake yet. And I didn't sit there and, and tell them, hey, I did this. Don't do that because that's not how people learn. So that it, it was difficult. And I, you know, we we were we grew really to a lot of people. We came back down and now we're back up. Um, but retaining employees, I think that, you know, um, I think that everyone struggles with it. And it was interesting during COVID when everyone was getting, you know, recruited and being paid you know, exorbitant rates because people were so busy and just paying like whatever it took to get people to work. And we're seeing like a, 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 you know, a retraction of that. But I think it's really, it really comes down to 
you know, having a clear understanding and a clear vision for what the company is and communicating that and, and making sure people are aligned with it. Um, you know, there's a balance of that where, you know, you want to retain people because you need the people to, to, to put the work in place. Um, but maybe, you know, those guys don't see the vision of the company and, you know, and, and don't really like care to be the best wood floor finisher installer. And they're just there because they need to make some money. And, you know, the reality is that person doesn't belong there. And, you know, a lot of times we make these short, um, cited decisions to keep them around because we need the help. Uh, and we don't take the time to go find someone that really does want to be in this industry. And what happens is that guy eventually leaves and then we're struggling and we're trying to find a guy to replace him where it's like the moment we knew that he didn't want to be here for the, for the same reason that I'm, that we're in business. That was the moment that I should have spent my time fi finding the right person. Uh, but I think being open and transparent and, and honest about where the company's going. And even if that changes, you know, I, my, you know, uh, maybe it's coming off through the podcast, but like, I'm not always fixed on one outcome. I, my, my, my goalpost moves constantly. And I try to remind myself to, 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 to sit down with the team and, ex and ex explain that. And, you know, there was, you know, a vivid memory a couple of years ago, I sat down and had my entire team, um, in the, the workshop and we were chatting and I was like, you know what, guys, I haven't really told you what my vision for the company is. So let me do that. Let me tell you kind of what I want to focus on. And I did. And I said, and if anyone here does isn't aligned with that, that's all right. Like, I, I don't want you guys sticking around because I've never communicated that. And now I am. And I had a kid come up and he's like, this is that's not what I want to do. He's like, I really want to do, you know, historical renovations. And I thought we were going to do more of that. And I was like, hey, I appreciate you being up front. And if there's anything I can do, he's like, I, I, I love a recommendation. I'm like, you got it. And he left. Well, I think that is so important to uh, to let people know what your values are, your core values, and make sure everybody's aligned and, and have a purpose. Like, why why are we here? You know what I mean? And uh, this is get a check and a good day. So, um, I want to stay in your times. So I got you for for fifteen more minutes. At, yeah. uh, so I don't want to go over your time. Well, can I, can we go back to to yeah, technology yeah. and tools? Yes. Because I think that like, so, so to, like I'm thinking about floors, right? And you know, we 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 were kind of talking about speed of installation, um, and a great example of that is the track saw, right, from Festool, and that's you know that is something that I'll never forget when I bought it. Uh, you know, first off, everyone was like, if you buy that 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 Festool track saw, you are doomed because you're going to end up buying all of their stuff. And now, I mean. I'm not going to say the dollar value in which we have for festival, but it's like four vans and, and a workshop filled. Right. And, but the reality is, is that we, you know, that's a, a prime example of how technology evolved to allow us to build beautiful floors, like a Chevron floor in a more efficient way. Yeah. Where it's like the track saw is a great example. You pull that track saw out, you drop that track down. Now you're cutting a nice straight line, you know, however many feet long you need. Wait, when you and I first started talking, we started talking about Festool. That's why I kind of mm -hmm. want to kind of go down this lane. Yeah. Uh, and some guys are like, and, and I, I'm going to have to give a shout out to just real quick because my brother just bought the new, uh, it's the TS55F. Mm -hmm. It has a thinner curved blade. Yeah. Uh, it's, instead of the 2.2 millimeter, it's the 1.8. Yeah. And he goes, holy, holy smokes, dude. It, it doesn't feel, it feels like it's got a lot more power. It cuts 50% faster. The blades last 40% longer. Yep. And if you haven't got that one, it's like, oh man, it's just a game changer. So 
And the batteries in these tools are unbelievable nowadays. Ba the battery technology, that's another great one. Like battery technology is so interesting to me. E everything has a battery now. You got these 60 inch wide lawnmowers out running, you know, backyards with a battery on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you don't have the, and I think that that is super interesting. Um, again, it's like, all right, now I have a track saw with, you know, with a cord, I'm plugged in, I'm moving. All right, now I got to pull the vacuum down, you know, pull that cord down. It's like, well, now I don't have a track saw. I mean, now I don't have a cord. I got, I got two batteries on it and, and I, in yeah, the, the, the 50% faster is funny because like you go on social media and people are, you know, got two drills and like see who, whose screw goes in faster. And it's like, oh, this, this drill is like 0.2 seconds better than the next one. <laughs> and the reality is, is like, you know, okay, like, do, do I really care if that screw goes in to, you know, 0.2 seconds faster? No. But when you're talking about something like the track saw that cuts 50% faster or, you know, or feels like it has more power, you know, those are those, those micro um, changes that make a big difference where it's like, Hey, that blade's a little thinner, so it's going to cut faster. But the reality is it's, you know, now it's not working as hard. So when you're plowing through white Oak on for a Chevron, you don't feel like that saw is going to give up on you. You feel like that saw is going to power through all the way. And that's important because, you know, when, when it's not doing that, or when you think like, oh, this is a piece of crap because it's battery operated, like you're going to give up on it. And then you revert back. And now, now you're not staying up with innovation. Now you're not progressing on how to continue to uh, provide a luxury service for a, a, an efficient and fair rate. There was a point in my life where I told the kids, do not buy me anything operated by battery. Yeah, of course there was. When they were like pistol Wayne grip. Wayne and I are old, okay? Pistol, you, I, I had the pistol grip Makita. We saw the first battery stuff. And I'm like, this is, I wouldn't give this to my wife. This is terrible. I think my, I, I my father had, my, my father had the pistol grip Makita drill. And that thing had like a battery that was like nine inches long. And I'm pretty sure if you broke it open, it was just a bunch of like D sized batteries. <laughs> in it. That thing weighed a ton. I'll never, I, 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 I yeah, I, I'm, I remember it vividly, but you're, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, people were buying, buying all these battery operated. I had a battery oper operated skill saw. One of the first ones that came out years ago. And I'm like, this piece of crap. I'm going to grab my worm drive, my corded worm, dri worm drive. I go on a job site now. There's no air hoses. There's yep. no cords. Yep. I, like one of my guys bought a, um, a finish gun the other day. And I'm like, what is that? And he goes, what do you mean? It's a new finish gun. I'm like, you don't have a compressor. He goes, no, nah, you don't need a compressor. I'm like, dude, the battery ones suck. And then he shot it. I'm like, oh, all right, maybe I've been out of the loop for a little, <laughs> a little bit. That thing, that thing did pretty good. <laughs> well, it's also about speed and efficiency and lightweight. And just, there's something about pulling up to a job and the confidence of having the best, you know, the best equipment that you got. And that's, I mean, when we, we had a long conversation about Festo, you have the same kind of love for that product as I do. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, and you know, I was going to ask you when I first met is, you know, some business guys, some builders actually, they're, they're, they could care less about the craftsman side of it. They're business people. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're running a business, but, but you're not that guy. I mean, you seem like you're, you're, you're a craftsman too. And the, the tools yeah. matter to you and you're, you're very much into that part of the business. Yeah. I mean, I was a carpenter first. Um, when I started my company, I thought I was going to be a carpenter for my whole life. And I never really expected to step out of that role and put the bags down. Um, even in the cabinet shop, I started that, you know, by myself at night, 
And then when Ken came on board, um, we, you know, it was under the NS builders company for a while. Um, and then he started building that into a cabinet shop and I slowly just, you know, kind of backed away, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm not on the tools at all. Um, but I have an, a huge appreciation for them because, you know, going back to what is such a core focus for me individually is efficiency. And, you know, and I tell my entire team that, you know, um, if there's a tool out there that's going to make us more efficient, we're buying it. And, and that's just, like, it's not, it's not a, okay, we'll, we'll think about it and we'll like, maybe we'll buy it next year. It's no, if that, if that's going to speed up your process, you know, Hey, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, naturally that's, <laughs> I think that's how we ended up with the, the entire slew of Festool that we have uh, because everything makes it more efficient. It's like, Hey, this sander, right? If I get this sander, <laughs> I, I won't have to clean up as much because the vacuum's really good. I'm like sold. Yeah. Next thing I know, I got like, you know, three dust extractors and six sanders showing up to the shop. Um, but it is, it's, you know, the other side of it for me is professionalism. Um, and I mean that like through the entire process. And, and honestly, like when I walk a job site, I want it to be clean. You know, I, I hate a messy job site and our job sites are clean. Like we have, you know, we have visitors come through constantly because they want to see our work. And they always comment on how clean it is, but I'm, you know, I'm a stickler. I'll, I'll still tell my guys like, Hey, it's not clean enough. You know, I want, I, you, we gotta, we gotta operate as though the client's about to show up with their kids all the time. And, and with good tools, you know, and like the dust extractors from festival, like that's huge. You know, everything's plugged in. Like there's not dust everywhere. You know, there's not, it's not a, it's not a disaster. You know, you prepare that with a couple trash barrels and the job site can stay pretty clean, you know, throughout the entire process. He did. He did. He listened to our last podcast. No. He stole all this, man. Stole I don't think he all. has the time. <laughs> all right, Nick. Uh, He's got all the time in the world. Listen to him. Yeah, just delegating <laughs> everything. He's playing Legos for God. Yeah, you, you guys are lucky I didn't delegate. I, I, I could have just had someone else show up. Yeah, there. I'm surprised you're even <laughs> on the show. Right. All right, two questions left. Yeah. Uh, since a lot of, you know, obviously our audience are floor guys, uh, What what is your like best tip for for if you want to have a really healthy relationship with your builder and your subcontractor, uh, and we know sometimes things always don't go as planned, you mm -hmm. know, keep that in mind, you know, whatever, but what, what would be your couple of tips you would leave with those guys? And then my last question is going to be, what is your outcome for this year? How, how do you think 2023 is going to look? So this will, I mean, this can go for any con, uh, subcontractor, but I'll cater it to floor guys. I mean, I think that for me, you know, I, when I'm reaching out to, for, to my floor guy and, and, you know, asking for say a proposal or some options for this, this home, it really is good to understand how they're envisioning the project, you know, and whether that is like a, a, a specification that's clearly outlined or they're making some assumptions, just be upfront about it. And also, you know, I always, I'm always open to understanding how I can make someone's job more efficient. So rather than just submitting a proposal and hoping that you get it, you know, walk through that proposal with me. Like, Hey, you know, we're thinking that, you know, this house is going to be a $20,000 floor job. You know, these are the, the assumptions I'm making. I'm assuming that, you know, it's a completely empty house, you know? And I think that is, this is actually a great tip because I think that oftentimes those are some, there's a lot of assumptions made that aren't communicated. So that $20,000 flooring job, you know, they show up and you have, you know, maybe a guy in the kitchen that's doing backsplash, 
it's like, well, he's in my way now. And now it's $22,000. It's like, well, dude, like, we, you know, just, we got to have an open dialogue. And I think that oftentimes, you know, <laughs> we're, uh, there's a saying where it's like, we're quick to get people pregnant. Uh, and maybe I made that up. I have no idea. But the point is, it's like, we're like, we're quick to like, Hey, I'll get them pregnant. And then after that, like, we'll just change order the hell out of them yeah. because they can't back up. Right. Where, you know, it's, it, and, and I see subs do it too. It's, you know, a sub will show up, give you a great price. They start. And then next thing you know, it's like, Hey, uh, this is going to be more money. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I didn't include that. It's like, you didn't tell me you didn't include it. It's like, well, I didn't know they were on the, it's, it's like, Hey, let's have an open dialogue. You want to have a good relationship with a builder. You want to become an asset to them. And that builder wants to be an asset to you. So communicate what you need to do your job efficiently and let the builder also communicate what he needs from you to get the best result and, and the level of expectation. Yeah. You know, not every, not everyone's going to have the same level of expectation. If it's time, if it's quality, if it's budget, like what is that North star and make sure that that's aligned with your business. If you're, if they're, if they're all about speed and then cost and then quality and you're a quality first kind of guy, you know, unless you absolutely need to fill a slot in your schedule to, to keep the lights on, why not find someone else? Go, go do floors for someone else. Our outlook on 23 um, is great. Um, we, as a builder, uh, we've been doing custom for years and years and years. We just bought a property to do our first um, um, development on, which will be a luxury single family. Um, and we're going to approach it in an entirely different way, very um, true to the way we operate. Um, and we're excited about that. We're excited about how that will kind of uh, shape our business for the next three to infinite years. Um, and we have uh, some projects that are customs that are in construction now that are beautiful. Uh, and my team has, you know, we've made some amazing progress with our team structure and um, delegating. Um, and it's it's been fun to uh, be in the driver's seat and 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 help grow that, uh, and it's fun to to watch my team uh, do such a great job at what they do, and uh, and I hope to you know continue that and continue to encourage really great work. You know, when we started the show, the first thing you said was communication, and mm -hmm. then almost every aspect of everything we've talked about since then, communication was always a part of it. So yeah. hopefully. That is something that everybody's going to take away from this, how important that is with customers, subs, your, your crew, everybody that just, uh, I hope so. that's a real eye opener. Listen, I, uh, man, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate Likewise. you making the time. I know you're busy as can be, man. And so making the time to do this is, is, uh, is a big deal. So we really appreciate you. Uh, wait, I, I have one more question. I'm not done. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and I think this is going to be the most important question of the show. Okay? Sure. Uh, do you think the Bruins are going to keep this up? Can I answer that super honestly? <laughs> I'm not. Of course, a you're from I'm Boston. Not, I'm not right. a sports guy. I'm not. Oh, okay. And and yeah. this is like the third time this has happened on a podcast where someone <laughs> asked me a sport. I, I just maybe it's because I don't have the time. I appreciate like I'll go to the games, but I have no idea what's going on in sports right that, now. That you know what's funny? Uh, it reminds me of Bill Murray. Um, he was being interviewed one day, and they said, you know how do you make the time for everything that you do and this and that? And he goes, uh, he goes, it breaks my heart, but I had to give something up. And he said, I, I had to say goodbye to the NHL. 
I just, yeah. there, there was one thing I had to give up. I just didn't have the time. So yeah. it was the NHL. So I get it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if they're going to keep it up. Uh, they, they will. They're going to keep it up. Trust All right. Me. I'll trust you. When next time someone asks me that, I'll be like, well, I think so. And yeah. I'll have, there, I'll have there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Nick, thank you so much. It's been a yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Really appreciate all your insights. And uh, and I think we, we got a, really got a lot out of this. So again, thank you very much. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Ron. Please stay tuned for another episode. Oh.